1: Stu Does America. Yeah, we'll may be over, but the 2024 election season still continues. Be sure to stay up to date with the State of the Race free podcast series. It's available wherever you get your podcast under the Stu Does America stream. You can catch us on YouTube as well as YouTube.com slash Stew Does America. Uh, of course, be sure to subscribe there and like the video. We would love you to hit the bell for notifications as well. Sarah Gonzalez is going to be here to tell us about her new, exciting project. You're going to love that. Kamala Harris is you're not going to love her nearly as much. She is going to share some of her historically brilliant insight on the state of the country. But we start by doing Iowa's winners and losers. Big night last night, of course. uh, Donald Trump wins in Iowa. Uh, He wins easily. uh, And he takes his first step toward the 2024 rematch with Joe Biden. Now... But this is a disappointment for Ron DeSantis at some level. He put a lot of resources in here. This is his kind of big statement to try to take Donald Trump out in the first contest. Didn't wind up happening. Ron DeSantis, though, does take a distant second place in the Iowa caucuses behind Donald Trump. So it's interesting. One of the big... One of the lines that people talked about was 50% for Donald Trump. He was able to clear that line. Uh, he got 51% of the vote. Ron DeSantis at 212 and Nikki Haley at 19.1%. Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.7%. Ryan Binkley at 07 and Asa Hutchinson at 02 Yes, Ryan Binkley defeated Asa Hutchinson. This can lead to a little... Well, a couple headlines coming up. Uh, DeSantis is going to participate in a CNN town hall in New Hampshire. Now, he is not really running in New Hampshire. He's not really attempting to win New Hampshire. He's uh, sort of leaving that to Donald Trump and Nikki Haley to fight about. He is going really more on to South Carolina, but he's going to do that um, uh, event first. Now. If you look at kind of where people landed and what they accomplished, Donald Trump got that 50 percent margin that was big for him at one point. It, I never thought he was going to lose Iowa necessarily, but I, I was. I You know, there was certainly a time about a year ago where it looked like this would be a lot closer in Iowa. Instead, Ron DeSantis only is, is a good 30 points behind. There was some controversy about when they called the, the race. Would it be a little bit closer if they had not done that? Possibly. But again, it wasn't like the I don't think the order was going to change. Nikki Haley. Um, While she sort of underperforms, her very recent expectations helped, which were kind of fueled by a bunch of good polling for her late in the race, still 19% for her. If you go back three months, six months, she'd be really happy with that in a state that she didn't really contest until pretty recently. New Hampshire is the place she's going next, and Nikki Haley is going to gear up as Trump world vows to go after her reputation and image in New Hampshire. They really don't, like, try to hide what they're doing. They're just like, straight out, this is what we're doing. We're going after her reputation. We're going after her character. That's happening next. Tune in. And it will be an amazing show, surely. Um, There is a new poll out today. I think it was American Research Group that did it that has Donald Trump and Nikki Haley tied at 40% in New Hampshire. This is one of the first polls that's happened since Chris Christie dropped out. And you might think again, who cares if Chris Christie dropped out? He only had like two or 3% of the vote. True nationally, true in Iowa, not true in New Hampshire, where he was at about 12% of the vote. So that's a big win for Nikki Haley. Him dropping out really does make her competitive. And as I said, you can kind of look at that as a toss up state. You might favor Donald Trump in that toss up, but Generally speaking, this, you know, New Hampshire, which is a week from tonight, going to be very, very close, or at least should be. Uh, Haley says she will not do the next debate. There was supposed to be a debate coming up uh, and she's not gonna do it. She says, unless Trump is on stage, I won't uh, snub New Hampshire voters like both Nikki Haley and Donald Trump and plan to honor my commitments was DeSantis's response. So basically, he, he wants to do it she is like, I- I've had enough of debating Ron DeSantis and there's not too much upside. I think at this point, these two have gone head to head already. They've been in the field a bunch of times. I can understand why, you know, you'd want to stay away. Plus Nikki Haley is, I don't think she's a great debater. Now she did help herself apparently in the debates uh, to this polling rise and, and rising to her gains in Iowa and in New Hampshire, but I don't think of her as some fantastic debater. She does okay. Now, one of the results I gave you was Vivek Ramaswamy at 7.7. The, the Vivek thing is interesting; kind of comes from nowhere, right? No one knows really who he is. He's an author. He had been on the Glenbeck radio show a bunch of times, but generally speaking, not a well-known guy in the conservative movement. He's able to have his kind of big moment in one of the debates. Uh, he bubbles up, has uh, you know s- some energy. It winds up falling off towards the end. Finishes at eight percent, seven point seven percent, in Iowa at the end of the day. Now, of course, he had been a very close defender of Donald Trump the entire time. They had a little bit of a spat here right before Iowa, but it doesn't seem like it's you know going to hold and be a big problem for uh, for uh, Vivek as a Trump supporter. And right after Iowa, you know, it's interesting because he had been almost not, not critical to a comical event. He had been uh, uncritical of, of Donald Trump throughout the campaign. Obviously, people noticed that. They said it seemed like he's almost a surrogate for Donald Trump. Uh, then he came on radio yesterday, the day of the of the caucus, and he was more critical on of Donald Trump than I had heard him in a long time, really probably ever. And that was an interesting tactic for someone who You know who some people said he's going to lose and then immediately uh, go and endorse Donald Trump. Well, end of the day, that is what he wound up doing. He got 7.7%, but Vivek Ramaswamy has suspended his 2024 Republican presidential bid and endorsed rival Donald Trump. Rival, I don't know if is the exact right word for for, uh, Ramaswamy and Trump, but that's what he did. And I will say, this is gonna be a different campaign for the word suspend their campaign Because uh, it's interesting, if something does happen with Donald Trump and they come after him legally, maybe they throw him in prison, maybe they take him off of ballots, he can't be the nominee for whatever reason, a lot of people are going to unsuspend their campaigns. Remember, these campaigns never really stop. They they are suspended so they can continue normally just to keep raising money and pay off some debts and figure out ways uh, to do different things. Um, but there can, they can be unsuspended. They can come back. And so you might see some of these people who dropped out stepping back up if they think Donald Trump is going in the wrong direction. Now we have told you about Vivek closing his campaign up and shockingly, yes, it's true. Asa Hutchinson has also suspended his presidential <laughs> campaign, just never really got any traction. Asa. Now you remember he was at the blaze event in Iowa. He sort of defended, uh, the, uh, your ability to, tr- to uh, transition your kid from gender to gender, uh, really not stuff that had a lot of support in the Republican party, never really caught on. That's one level of failure. And we all kind of knew he was at that level. This was really depressing. I mean, I have to say, if you are Asa Hutchinson, it's really depressing. He's been going around state after state uh, in his own car, taking commercial flights and coach by himself from place to place. He's been running basically not even a campaign, just enough to pay for his flights and his hotels. And he goes through this, he does all these events. People don't know who he is. He's doing events with one person there. Really kind of depressing stuff. But he comes in here thinking, hey, all these candidates that are left with Chris Christie out, there's no real anti-Trump candidate there. I'll swoop in. I'll, I'll pick up some of those points. And then Ryan Binkley, the Dallas businessman and pastor, who uh, is running for president here, uh, and uh, you know, really has not had no press coverage at all, unlike Asa Hutchinson, who's a former governor of a state. He was in the Bush administration. Well, uh, he beat Asa Hutchinson by half a point. It was 0.7 to 0.2. Uh, not not great. Uh, and then they said Asa Hutchinson drove back. And one of the headlines I saw said he was or he dropped out of the race and he was driving back to his house, just like driving in his car back to Arkansas. It's like just a sad drive. That's a sad drive. Poor Asa. He's out, though. Uh, Trump is fit to be president, even if convicted, most Iowa voters say. And this is what we had from the entrance polls, not the exit polls, the entrance polls, you This is such a weird thing and it's weird why they called the race so early in Iowa, especially because the entrance of the caucus is you're supposed to go in and the people are going to try to talk you in or out of their candidate. You'd think that an entrance poll would not be all that reliable, but I think most people who show up to the caucus basically know where they're going. And uh, voters said on the entrance poll, 66% say that Biden did not legitimately win the presidency in 2020. I want to get to that here in a second. 65% say they decided who to support in the presidential nomination contest before this month. 65% said Trump would still be fit to be president if he were committed, committed of a crime, and 31% said he would be unfit. And this is the thing that I try to explain to more some of my left-leaning friends who don't love Donald Trump and think, how can you be more likely to support Donald Trump if he's convicted of a crime? And, or how, how come you will still vote for him if he's convicted of a crime? And I say, like, this voting base looks at these charges as completely without merit. That's why. Like, if... I mean think of think of charges from the past. I mean, you know, again, you can always get into trouble comparing things, but think of the most BS charge you can think of. I don't Martin Luther King going to jail. What are you going to do? We just came out with Martin Luther King Day. People look at those charges and they say those charges aren't legitimate. There's certainly not a comparison between um, uh, Martin Luther King and Donald Trump. They are very very different people. Although more similarities than the left would like you to believe in some ways. But what I would say here is that the, the right in this country looks at those charges and says, this is Joe Biden trying to take out his opponent. Everything they're saying is B.S. And uh, I don't care what they say because it's not true and it doesn't matter. That's how they will still vote for him. It's not because if look, if they thought he was committing real crimes, it would be another story. But they don't believe it. They don't believe that. They don't believe you over and over again, no matter how many times you say it, they're going to ignore it because they feel like he's being targeted. And therefore, these charges mean nothing to them. If anything, they are They are gathering behind Donald Trump to support him more in this primary because of those charges. Let me give you a couple different things as far as the voter ID breakdown goes. This is the party ID. And you see that, interestingly, Donald Trump, of course, wins Republican primary voters in Iowa. That's 82 percent of the electorate. And he wins that 54-24. So he wins by 30 percent. Interestingly, though, Trump also wins among independent voters in Iowa, 42 to 34 over Nikki Haley. In fact, Ramaswamy gets 12 and DeSantis only gets 8 percent. One of the approaches of DeSantis in this campaign was to run basically to the right of Donald Trump to essentially to attempt to recreate what Ted Cruz did in Iowa, be the kind of constitutional conservative. uh, You know, I don't think he really emphasized his religious uh, background as much but he, you know to kind of be that social conservative uh, constitutional conservative fiscal conservative in the race kind of what Ted Cruz did to win Of course Donald Trump is a much different Donald Trump than uh, Ted Cruz is and he has much te- uh, than the Ted Cruz times Donald Trump has a lot more support now from those groups so it was never really able to get going and you see DeSantis who is very popular in Florida among a, a wide swath of different, voting groups. It wasn't just conservatives who liked him there. He won with conservatives and some liberals and some moderates and all sorts of groups that didn't really happen in Iowa. And he was not able to recreate that. Uh, the voter age was the only time really where, um, you saw anything for DeSantis. DeSantis won young voters, 30 to 25 over Haley Trump at 22 and Ramaswamy at 21. Every other group from 30 on up was won by Donald Trump, and in some some ways very big, a 37-point victory with the voters 65 and older. Uh, that was over Nikki Haley, who finished second. Um, this was one I thought was interesting, people who decided last minute. About 20% um, uh, decided in the last few days, and those people overwhelmingly went to, I wouldn't say overwhelmingly, they did go to uh, either Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis. DeSantis got 31%. Haley got 29% of those voters. Trump still got 28% of those voters. So there was something to be said, maybe, for the ground game of DeSantis. He wins that category. But if you made up your decision before that, Donald Trump blew everybody away. And that's 80% of the population or the voting population. Uh, 58% went to Trump and only 18 to DeSantis. So a 40 point swing. You can't Really make that up by a couple point victory under uh, with last minute deciders. It's just not going to work. The math doesn't work. This is the most important question though, and I think this fundamentally will go back be seen as the strategic question that decided this race long before it was decided. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Things have changed. I will say Joe Biden looked completely toast. Uh, like toast after Iowa uh, in 2020 and he wound up coming back to win. So we will keep it on the table. We don't know what's going to happen next. I, I don't think you know, both DeSantis and Haley, along with uh, Ryan Pinkley are still in the race and, and they deserve their chance to go and play this out and see what happens. There's a lot still to come on this race and we'll keep covering it for you. Um, but do you think Joe Biden legitimately won in 2020? And that is, question was answered by Republicans in this uh, caucus on these caucuses, and it was 66 to 29, 66, two thirds, basically two thirds said no, he was not legitimately elected. One third said, yes, he was. Now, among those who said Donald Trump or excuse me, Joe Biden was not legitimately elected, 69 percent of the voters said they want Trump. So, okay, Biden stole the election in this view. Well, almost everybody, 70% of people said, well, Trump gets it, he gets another chance. Only 17% said DeSantis, so you're talking about a 52-point split. Now, one-third of voters said Donald Trump did not win the election, and Joe Biden did legitimately win in 2020. Among those voters, Nikki Haley won pretty easily, 53 to 29 over Ron DeSantis. This is sort of the problem of the DeSantis strategy, in which he doesn't win with either one of these groups. He's not the top alternate, He's the number two in both categories, and that's not really ideal. But more importantly, the way this was framed is going to be something that these candidates are going to have to look back and examine for a long time. Because basically what happened after the 2020 election, Donald Trump was saying all these things about the election being stolen. Most Republicans kind of through that time, honestly, like, you know, we, we, you could see this. There was reporting. We've talked to some of these people who said, look, you got to give Donald Trump his time to be comfortable with this, right? You need to give him time. You know, he, he lost this election, but he's going to leave office. It's not going to be that big a deal. Just stop bothering him about it. And obviously, we know there was a lot more to that story as it went through the January 6th situation and, and all that. It was kind of like it was a messy transition, to be sure. Um, but in the time after that, instead of and take, for example, if, if you would, take out your opinion for a second on whether you think the election was stolen. Just just throw that, toss that to the side for a second. Just think strategically if you're trying to beat Donald Trump as one of his opponents. If you embrace the idea that the election was stolen and you double up and, and help uh, make that foundation hardened for people, how do you beat Donald Trump? Because I think... The American people, particularly conservatives, look at a situation where an election was stolen in that view from Donald Trump and say, well, if it was stolen from him last time, he deserves another chance at it. I mean, it's just fair, right? And we look at the the work of Jonathan Haidt, for example, talking about the the conservative mind and talking about what are the things that conservatives value. They they value loyalty, they value rule of law, they value uh, fairness. They value, uh, uh, you know, these sort of foundational principles that would lead you to believe whether they think Donald Trump is going to win or not, whether they think DeSantis has a better record or not, whether they like Nikki Haley more or not. They want to give Donald Trump that second chance. And when it's two thirds of the electorate that believe that way, I got news for you. There's not really a path for anybody else to win. And I keep coming back to this. People love bashing DeSantis, and he's had problems with his campaign internals. There's no doubt about that. Uh, People say, well, Nikki Haley, she's not a good uh, candidate. She's out of touch. I think that is true, largely, in some of her positions. But I don't think, necessarily, if those things changed... Those candidates would be beating Donald Trump in this primary. I think it may just be far too difficult. There's not really a path there. And the fact that we have this sort of thing hanging over everybody's head that you know, Trump may go to prison because the government and the Biden Justice Department may just throw out their competition has to be something that is thought about here. You know, we've talked for a while about the two-tiered primary, where you have this number one tier of the normal everyday primary that happens every four years, and all these candidates buy for the title. That primary is probably going to be over very soon. Nikki Haley deserves a chance to go try to win in New Hampshire, she's got a chance to win there. Next is, the next real one is in South Carolina, and there, she has a, she's got 25% of the vote. It's not in, completely implausible that she could win or come in a close second in South Carolina if she gets good momentum out of New Hampshire. She deserves a chance to play that out. Ron DeSantis has got a chance to go to uh, South Carolina, see what happens there, see what his path takes him to. Maybe he wants to la- last and build up some delegates and maybe be there for the second-tier primary because if Donald Trump, God forbid, is thrown in prison, if something happens to him, if uh, they put him in a gulag somewhere... Uh, in communist Russia, whatever it is, all this is on the table now. And we all know it's on the table. So we better have a good understanding about who is essentially the second choice. And if that means that these candidates have to stay in for a while to build up delegates and fight it out. I mean, if DeSantis drops out and that support goes to Donald Trump and then Donald Trump has some legal issue where he can no longer get on these ballots. Well, the person with the next amount of Um, delegates is going to be Haley. And she's going to start packing them up quick if no one else is there. And that might not be the the priority of a lot of Trump supporters. So it may just be a good thing that this just kind of keeps going on. And that second place battle keeps going on. And we'll see what happens with it as we go forward. I want to talk to Sarah Gonzalez about the election and her impressions on this. But I also want to talk to her about a brand new project, a brand new, newly announced Sarah Gonzalez project I think you're really going to enjoy. And that comes up next. Constitution wealth is the Patriots' choice in wealth management. Now, let me ask you something. Do you avoid shopping at businesses who offend your values? You know, I don't know. Were you buying a lot of Bud Light lately? Have you gone down that road often? You know it's difficult to do. Sometimes it's difficult to kind of find your way. It's hard to know what businesses are doing business the way you want it to be done. Who, what do you invest in? Well, why would you want to invest your retirement funds in the same businesses that you don't like, the stuff that you don't buy in the stores, when you could be aligning your investment money with your values? This is why you want Constitution Wealth. I've talked to these guys. They're awesome. First of all, i got to warn you, if you talk to them, you're going to probably spend a half an hour just talking about politics. They're, they're great guys. You're going to love talking to them. And they understand you. They want to help you find a solid investment plan because you're gonna have to retire someday and you don't wanna retire with all sorts of ESG and DEI stuff in your portfolio. You wanna avoid stuff that's anti-family, you wanna avoid abortion friendly companies, you wanna avoid uh, whether it's drugs and alcohol or whatever it is, whatever you feel passionate about, whatever violates uh, your feelings you can go and invest in and still get really good returns because the returns are kind of important too. Reduce your investment in woke corporations and in doing so you can help fight the kind of secondary economy, this parallel economy we've been talking about and use your most powerful weapon, your money and your voice. This is your opportunity to help build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. Work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values. Why would you go anywhere else? It's ConstitutionWealth.com slash stew. ConstitutionWealth.com stew. Sign up for a free consultation today. It's ConstitutionWealth.com slash stew. I'm joined once again by Sarah Gonzalez, host of the News and Why It Matters right here on Blaze TV. And look at that beautiful orange uh, background right there. Sarah, I mean, I've, just, I've grown so used to not only you and that orange background, mm. but also that time slot. 6 p.m., what a great time slot. Mm-hmm. I know you love it mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. on Blaze TV. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to say, it's a little shocking, a little jarring, You know, sometimes your world gets turned upside down and mine's about to be turned upside down because of a brand new announcement. I want to start with this before we get into the election or anything. Big news on the Sarah Gonzalez front.
0: The biggest news in American politics today (laughs) is that the news and why it matters is uh, going to be Sarah Gonzalez unfiltered starting January 29th. Yes. Yes. Brand new show. Brand new time. 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we're still going to be on YouTube and audio podcasts, and none, none of that will, like, you won't have to resubscribe. They will already be subscribed.
1: Are, okay, it's so they don't go, have to it, do anything. Right.
0: They don't have to do anything if they're already subscribed. Um, but we are going to be Stu's opener, <laughs> as it turns out, on the, uh, the live stream. Lead and on Pluto in. They TV. call it
1: lead-in. Is, oh, is that, Yeah, that, make, uh, oh, that makes me more opener. credible? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I am Stu Gear's lead-in. Yes. The lead-in to Stu Does America. Sarah Gonzalez, unfiltered, so. Big news. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be, look, I love the news and why it matters. I've been doing it as I was talking to our friend Chad Prather. Um, I realized as I was talking to him that it would be six years next month. Really? That, yes, that I would oh. be doing the news and why it matters um, from when it first started, and it was mm-hmm us every single day. Every day. And um, it's kind of, you know, blossomed into its own thing. And I'm happy to uh, to take that on. And I think it, this just, the sky's the limit now because we're not so tied to news headlines. We'll still talk about news, mm-hmm. right? It's still going to be the same content, I think, that people are used to, but with a little bit of added Sarah Gonzalez flair yeah. that we're going to be able to I'm do. I'm excited.
1: This is great. Yeah. And it's so it's going to be on right before the show, 7 yes. p.m. Eastern. Uh, which is great, great block of television for you. Um, And of course, like, you know, the News of My Matters is a great show, I love doing it, I've always loved doing it with you, but it's also like, has a format, you know, you've been able to, you know, do your own thing with it over the years, of course, but Mm -hmm. like, this is kind of give you freedom to kind of do whatever you need to do without being tied to that format.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. It will still have a round table, people keep going, is it still gonna be a round table? We, we, I will still sit at a round table. Oh, wow. It may not (laughs) have panelists the entire show (laughs) From start to finish, but it's still, I mean, I love having you and Pat on. I love having, you know, all of our guests on. So um, obviously, I'm not going to lose that, but it just gives us the flexibility to even reach beyond that. So if there's like, you know, a really great guest on a particular topic that happens to be the top story of the day, I want the ability to talk to that guest remotely. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I want the ability to, you know, maybe um, make call on my husband in the control room at certain points and put him on camera. So we're just going to have a lot more fun with it, and
1: I'm really, really excited. That's great. Can I see the graphic one more time? You know what I realize? It looks like I'm about to go into a Miami club. <laughs> this is, is going to get me to go to the New Year's Eve party at Unfiltered because Sarah Gonzalez is going to be there. I
0: love that. Uh, that. Sarah Gonzalez is hosting it. Yeah, yeah.
1: like you're the DJ. <laughs> DJ Sarah Gonzalez is going to be at Unfiltered on, what's the date again? January, January 29th. 29th.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. So Very come, close. Come so to excited. the rave. Come to the rave. Yes. January 29th. Yes. 7 p.m. Eastern. It will be right next door to Stu here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be neighbors, set neighbors. Yeah. And yeah. The, and the, time plot neighbors. And I will never have to hear the intro music ever
1: again. <laughs> so the vein of Sarah's existence has been this uh, intro music for News and White Matters mm-hmm. for some time, mm-hmm. and the orange color scheme. Oh. Neither of those are going to be around anymore. Yes. You're going to have all the uh, the fun new toys of Sarah Gonzalez unfiltered again. Starts uh, January 29th, 7 p.m. Eastern. Very exciting, Sarah. I'm very excited. Thank you. It. Okay, Thank let's get into the news of the day a little bit. I thought uh, that
0: was the news of the day. I
1: mean, it's the big news of the day. <laughs> Let me go back to some of the small news of the <laughs> okay. day. A all giant right. victory for Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, a, the, a battle for second place between Haley and DeSantis, which DeSantis winds up winning. Which, I, I mean, the polls were actually pretty accurate in Iowa. That they had those a little reversed mm-hmm. on the average by a couple points. Uh, DeSantis maybe the ground game. Uh, gets him out and gets a victory there. Just kind of stepping back and looking at this, is it just you know should we just be looking at this as this is expected and this is not really a competitive primary, or are you interested here where we go going forward?
0: I mean, I'm I'm always interested somewhat because it is obviously very important and it's a you know a, a primary that mm-hmm. only happens once every four years or three and a half years however you want to look at it. But um, I don't think there's anything that's going to change. Right? I think Donald Trump far and away has been running away with it. He ran away with it last night. Um, I don't anticipate that changing. Obviously, I am, as I said, still interested to a degree, but I don't think that there's gonna be some big shakeup and like Nikki Haley is gonna take the lead. I just think the Republicans overwhelmingly have decided uh, that they want Donald Trump as their guy. And honestly, Stu, I think that all of the indictments have just bolstered that idea. I, I, I think that that's helped him in the Republican primary. So, I mean, I would say what I'm most interested in is where those Nikki Haley voters go where those Ron DeSantis voters go. Um, because, you know, do they show up? Because I know there's been a lot of talk from the DeSantis camp on if Donald Trump's the nominee, I will not, I refuse to vote for him. I know there's been a lot of Donald Trump camp talk of like, I would never vote for Ron DeSantis, which obviously is not ever going to come to be Might in the general, be. right? No. But um, it will be interesting to see where those people go and if they will turn out for Donald Trump. That's what I'm most interested in. The other thing that I'm most interested in is. Who are the 19% of people in Iowa at least who actually think Nikki Haley would be a good Republican
1: candidate? <laughs> yeah, you don't think of Iowa as a hotbed for Nikki Haley support.
0: I, it's just the warmongering neocon vibe I just is just, just not the
1: 2024 GOP. Yeah, and you think I don't know, maybe 6 months ago she was at what, 5% yeah. in 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 Iowa. I mean, it's interesting when you step back. The one person I think you really have to be disappointed as, if you're if you're if you're one of these candidates, is DeSantis, right? DeSantis yeah. put all of his effort yep. in there. He's a highly qualified candidate. I think he's a really good candidate. I think he'd be a great president. Uh, obviously. Uh, Finishing second is, is good compared to the last few weeks of expectations. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think that's a disappointment. Haley kind of came out of nowhere and showed up in third place. Uh, She's probably happy with that. Vivek, no one knew who the guy was. Yeah. He gets 8% of the vote. Um, now, Asa Hutchinson maybe is another disappointment. But generally speaking, you have to look at this field and say, look, this is a – maybe we should have been thinking about this the whole time as an incumbent primary. Just like we're looking mm-hmm. at Joe Biden's primary. Mm-hmm. We saw polls with RFK Jr. at 20%. We, there's a poll in New Hampshire right now that has, what is it, Dean Phillips? Yeah. It's at 28%. Wow. No, no one thinks Dean Phillips is going to win. Right. But like... Maybe we we maybe this isn't a competitive primary. Maybe it never was.
0: Yeah. I mean, but the thing that is so unprecedented, I mean, I can't speak to the Democrat side, but the thing that is so unprecedented and the reason why I think um, Trump people should be willing to give DeSantis some grace on that. uh, You point out his proven track record in Florida, which is absolutely correct. But I mean, the other side of that is like it or not, and whether it's fair and just or not, Donald Trump could be thrown into prison Mm. like that's a real thing that could happen. And I think that the conversation about if that happens and we can't stop it and for, some, for whatever reason he can't participate, what's the backup plan, right? I, so I think that that is like it's a legitimate conversation that needs to be had of who is going to take the torch if, Don, if something happens to Donald Trump, if he gets thrown into prison or God forbid he is he's not young. If there's yeah. a health event that happens, yeah, sure. right? Like, who is who is ready? Who is ready, day one, to take the reins and run with it? So I do think that the number two conversation in the Republican primary is a really important conversation that we need to be having right now for those unprecedented reasons. I think
1: it's been good to see them tested and pushed a little bit, pushing each other. I think that's been a good thing for both their futures and the Republican Party's future. And, and to your point, you're right. I mean, they... There's something like that could happen. Right. And it, God forbid it does. But if it does, I don't know what the process is exactly. But is this a reason for Haley and DeSantis to kind of stay in this thing and continue to fight? I mean, look, do, even if Donald Trump's going to win, he's not going to have to put a lot of resources into winning. He can right. kind of just show up and, and, and collect his delegates and probably run to the end. And if he's clear of all the stuff, fine. But if, if let's say if a DeSantis drops out tomorrow because he's disappointed in Iowa, then it's just going to leave Nikki Haley by herself. Right. And I think there's a lot of Trump supporters who would not be happy with that outcome.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, if I'm DeSantis or Haley, I'm not wait, like I'm not a glutton for punishment. So <laughs> I'm not wasting my no. time. But I understand why they would want to stay in. I would I understand the intention of staying in because that that second place right now could not be more important in this race in
1: 2024.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just—I mean, I, I just—I hate it that we have to say like this. This could be the most important race of our lifetime because it feels like everyone says that every year. Yes, they do. But damn it, it's true this year.
1: <laughs> this time, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, are you uh, when you look at this? Are you looking at this as—is this a VP tryout? Do you think there's a, a list of VP candidates for Trump? That he that that are being talked about openly. I mean, you know the list. I mean, Vivek has talked about you know Christy Nome, maybe Stefanik, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is on that list. Do you, is there anyone on that list that pops to you that you think Trump would actually want to take?
0: You know, um, I would add one that I saw to the list, which was I was kind of shocked to see this Lee Zeldin, which oh, I know I was. Yeah, I was I was shocked to see it because I hadn't seen it anywhere before. But also that um, he is a very staunch avid Trump supporter and mm-hmm. Trump does value loyalty, which is why I find it so hard to believe that it would be Haley or DeSantis. Yeah. I know the Haley rumors, I but I just it. find it so hard to believe, especially because, I mean, Haley has been outspoken, uh, crit- critical about him for a very long time. I mean, it oh, yeah. doesn't Let's start Go back to the 2016. 2016. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the idea that Donald Trump would just forgive her for all of those years of bashing him is just so not Donald Trump-like, Yeah, that I, I find it hard to believe that he would pick her. DeSantis, again, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it don't either. See it. I, uh, I just don't
0: see it. So I don't know. I mean, obviously Trump said that he knows who his vice president is going to be. He's already picked them. Uh, I also don't think it's going to be Carrie Lake because, uh, you know, he... He congratulated her for running for Senate, Yeah, I think. a great um, senator. Yeah, the other night. So it doesn't seem like that's in the cards for her. So I just, I don't know, but it really feels like it would have to be someone who is loyal to him and willing to take a back seat to him.
1: It would be, too. I, it would be, if Zeldin comes to mind, Carrie Lake comes to mind, you almost want to have someone who's won, right? Yes. And I mean, neither one of them have really won at a big level. Yeah. Zeldin came close, right. Carrie Lake came close. Um, the you do. It does seem like, you know, Vivek is an interesting guy, but again, he hasn't won anything. Mm-hmm. So you, where do you go from there? I mean, I think like it's interesting because I, I, one thing I was thinking about, let me try this. I'm having okay. everyone try on this theory like okay. it's a new outfit. So okay. get ready.
0: Um, I'm willing for more layers at this more point. Layers, it's it is really, really cold, freaking in here. cold in the
1: studio today <laughs> and in Dallas in general. But like if, if you are to ask Trump, what is the defining thing he thinks about about the pick of his last vice president? It would not be the three years and 364 days of loyalty that he got from Mike Pence. It would be the one day that he believes Mike, Mike Pence was disloyal and did the wrong thing. Yeah. There's no way he's picking a vice president who he thinks would have made a different, made the same decision as Mike Pence. I agree. And Nikki Haley, 100%, would have made the same decision as Mike Pence.
0: I agree. I 100% agree. Uh, it doesn't matter all the all the loyalty that he, you know, curried favor with uh, all of those all of those days. You point out what like the entire
1: term. The entire term. He was very loyal.
0: Yes, completely voided Mm -hmm. by By his act. Yes, by that one day. And so, I mean, I will say this, though. I could throw you a curveball in that and say it really depends on if Donald Trump is making the decision or if Donald Trump's advisors are making the decision, Mm. right? Because if Donald Trump's advisors are making the decision... It could be a Haley and they and they could try to convince him and say, you've got to get these moderates on board. You've got to get these Democrats on board. I know our colleague Steve Dace was saying that there were a lot of Democrats who voted for Nikki Haley in Iowa Mm -hmm. last night. And so, you know, they're going, look, you can get these Democrats on board by adding her to the ticket. And maybe, you know, if they're if his advisors are making the decision. Maybe it is a possibility. It does feel like it would be a slap in the face to all of the Trump supporters, though.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I was talking to Dave, Dave Marcus, who was on with Meghan with Kelly today, and she, and she, he was his point was, you know what, what Trump really likes to do is tell his base what's going on, yeah. and you know what, maybe he's just going to say, look. Now you like Nikki Haley. And and you know what? A lot of them will be good like, night. all right, we'll deal with Nikki Haley. I mean, again, it's the vice presidential thing. Maybe his advisors make the case. This will help you win the election, right. and then you can ignore her, right. Right? Like, right? I mean, she already was working under him in his administration, and she seemed to work well with him at that time. Right. They've just had a little bit of a falling out since. A little bit. Uh, but Trump has a way of repairing those things, right? Like, if you're saying good things about him right now, he usually finds a way to be okay with you.
0: Not a Trump cultist, right? No. Like oh. I, I love Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and I will vote for him, and I'm mm-hmm. happy to cast my vote for him. But um, I, I criticize him when I feel it's necessary. I will, I would plug my nose voting for a Trump Haley ticket. Yeah. But I would still crawl over broken glass to make the vote.
1: <laughs> you just have to do it with one hand because you'd be yeah, plugging exactly. your nose at the yeah. same time. Uh, Sarah <laughs> not Gonzalez. <as> efficient, but. <laughs> so the news and why it matters is still on. That happens until, uh, I guess, the Friday before yes. uh, the 29th. So that'll 20, 20, 26. 26. And then the new show starts. Sarah Gonzalez is unfiltered. It premieres Monday, January 29th. She's got uh, all the, the hot beats and uh, drink specials <laughs> uh, at the club. And, and yeah. no, you, know, you know, it's only, give me one more time. It looks like a, one of those club pool parties, like outdoor pool party in Miami with the club music going. Do we have the graphic one more time? Tell me. The, the pool club is called unfiltered. You're the host. <laughs> a big party going on at 7 o'clock.
0: Yeah. I'm showing up. That's not, I mean, that party's going to be popping. It's going to be popping. All right. And if
1: I'm going to be there, they should probably not allow me in because <laughs> I would not help the environment. Sarah, thanks so much for going on. Congratulations on the new show. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. It's Thank awesome. Thank you.
0: I appreciate it. Sarah
1: Gonzalez, back in a second. Blaze TV is debuting the second episode of the docu-series Blaze Originals with Glenn Beck traveling to Liberty County, Texas to give you the real story of Colony Ridge. This is kind of a border story, you know, because we hear about the border all the time. We hear about buses going to various cities, but what's going on in massive housing communities that have thousands and thousands of illegal Uh, Immigrants, it's an amazing story, and there's all sorts of different stories about Colony Ridge, Blaze TV is doing a documentary. Why? To get the real story. And they couldn't have gone and done all this if it wasn't for your support. It's just the beginning of the Blaze Original series, and it exposes corruption, which is you know, really going on in our country, and we all know it is. But how is it going on? What's how does how do you cure it? Uh, if you aren't a subscriber of Blaze TV, subscribe now for 30 bucks off an annual subscription by visiting blazeoriginals.com. Use the code Colony Ridge. Colony Ridge poses an enormous threat to the future of our country. And again, couldn't have made the documentary without. You and your support. So check it out. Go to blaze TV. Excuse me, blazeoriginals.com. Use the code Colony Ridge. Get thirty bucks off your subscription today. In effort to come up with a specific type of violation that should get you impeached as designed by our founders, Joe Biden is announcing a plan to bail out students for loan debts under $12,000, despite, of course, this whole plan being shot down multiple times by the Supreme Court. Now, he keeps changing it a little teeny weeny bit. try to avoid the courts, of course, that's exactly the opposite of what you're supposed to do as president. You're supposed to care about the Constitution, not do everything you can to avoid it. Um, Now what's interesting about this is it is a plan that uh, applies to borrowers enrolled in SAVE, which is an existing program, who took out less than $12,000 in loans and have been in repayment for 10 years. And I heard an idiotic interview with Miguel Cardona, as if there was any other kind of interview with him. And he said, you know, come on. I mean, let's be honest about it. If you've been in repayment for 10 years on a loan, I mean, that's just too long. And I thought that was an interesting point. Um, I thought you needed another piece of information, which was how long was the term of the loan? Like if the loan repayment schedule was longer than 10 years, then no, you have not been paying it back for long enough. You pay it until you pay it back. That's how loans work. We all knew that at one point, for some reason we've forgotten it. We also have inside the weird write-in campaign needed to help Biden win in New Hampshire. This is, there's a couple of these stories going on across the country and they're fascinating. But basically, if you remember after Joe Biden won in 2020, he lost both Iowa and New Hampshire. And of course, that wasn't acceptable. So he changed the rules to benefit him and said, well, uh, those states are too white, so we need to go and change to South Carolina, a state he just so conveniently won as the first part of any uh, primary. Well, he went through that process and New Hampshire was like, screw you, we've had the first primary forever, we wanna keep it. So his opponents, Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson have both got their names on the ballot And uh, Joe Biden does not. Now they're realizing it might look kind of bad if we lose this primary. Uh, so what do we do? Well, we have to do a write-in campaign. And now they've been spending something, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent on both sides of this, basically trying to get you to write in, if you're a New Hampshire voter and a Democrat, write in Joe Biden so he can still win, even though they screwed over the state by not wanting to participate in the primary in the first place. And in case you needed guidance on this, there are 21 Democrats on the ballot. New Hampshire makes it easy to run for office and the space you right in Biden's name comes directly after that of vermin supreme the perennial candidate known for wearing a boot on his head just right under vermin supreme just right in joe biden by the way there's a similar situation going on in nevada where they had a, a law passed that there had to be a primary. The Republicans in Nevada were saying, no, we want a caucus. So now there's a primary and a caucus. Half the candidates are on one of them. Half the candidates are on the other one. Uh, it's a total mess. And that one happens between New Hampshire and South Carolina. I haven't been mentioning that because it's such a cluster. I think no one's going to be paying attention to it. Um, the Trump supporters uh, in the party kind of went and changed the rules to benefit. Donald Trump may kind of give him a little bit of an easier pass. And we do have a lot of states, by the way, where that's gonna come up later on in the primary, if the primary's at all competitive by then, where Trump has successfully changed the rules that will probably benefit him quite a bit. We'll see if that's even important in the least. But the Nevada thing is there. I haven't been mentioning it for that reason because it's sort of a cluster, but uh, just to keep that on the back of your mind as well, uh, that Nevada primary slash caucus is still happening between New Hampshire and South Carolina. Well, we got the State of the Race podcast. I think we're going to do a new episode later on this week. We're, going to get, we're getting close to uh, New Hampshire quickly. And that is right around the corner. It's a week from today. So we'll get all your updates from the campaign with State of the Race. It's a morning uh, podcast, a bonus pod that'll be on the Studios America feed, audio only. So if you want that, you got to go to the audio feed and subscribe to state of the race. And then uh, we also have Blaze TV, or excuse me, um, StuDoesMerch.com. StuDoesMerch.com. There we got the Biden stuff like Bidenomics Strikes Back uh, available now. Get your mugs, get your uh, shirts, everything. Uh, get prepared for the election season. We got a lot of great Biden stuff up there. StuDoesMerch.com. Code is stew 10 if you want to save 10%.